Um, and you can get the recording to me sometime because I'll be able to send it out to these folks or the link or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, so, we're good. All right. So the heart of this um, <clears throat> is when we started this quarantine stuff, I started to think about what this was like because I'm not pastoring a church right now. I'm working with other pastors. Um, and I'm away from what Richard Foster would call the communal disciplines. And so these disciplines that we do together. And so the thing that it made me feel like was when I took a sabbatical about four years ago. So a sabbatical is when you pull away from your church community and all these other things and try to reset your spiritual and physical and all these other rhythms. And so the truth is, um, we were at a really hard spot and we were really burnt out. We were really fried and we needed a break. Like we were, this was not a like, Hey, you've worked seven years. This is go and have your fun sabbatical. This was, uh, we don't think you should be here anymore unless you figure out how to like manage yourself better, uh, manage your anxiety, manage your reaction. I was really reactionary, uh, anxious. And so, we took this sabbatical and part of it that was um, really important was that we were told we had to make a plan beforehand. And the plan was how do we reset some of the rhythms and practices that we would do. And so we made a plan in four areas. And for this one, I've added a fifth area because the truth is right now, we are all resetting some of our practices, right? Like my work day is different than it was three weeks ago. My kid's school is different than it was three weeks ago. Every, every uh, routine that we had in our house is different than it was three weeks ago. And so the hardest part of starting a new routine is breaking the old routine, right? <laughs> so the truth is right now we've all broken our old routine because we had to, it was forced upon us. And so it made me think that maybe as we think about our routines and, and setting new routines up, maybe we could be intentional about adding some things. And so I call it a sabbatical plan because it's, it's a, a break from some of the corporate disciplines to work on some of the things we are. A sabbatical, the pastor doesn't come to church for those three months or six months. And so it's like funny right now, none of us are coming to church. We might go virtually, but we're not together. And so this is like all of our church people are learning what it's like to be on a sabbatical. So I'm going to share this deal here and we will go through this. I'll make this big. Um, so I call it the COVID sabbatical plan that we get to be part of. All right. So there's five areas we need to create a sabbatical rhythm. Our spirit, our mind, spirit being like spiritual rhythm, our mind, our body, our relationships, and our mission. So all of these areas are necessary. So if you were to actually pull away and take a for real sabbatical where you're like not going to work for six months, you would make a plan for all three of these or all five of these areas. Most of us have capacity to change one thing at a time. And so as we go through these, I want you to think about which one area you might want to address during this time. Um, and we'll have some action steps at the end for how to do that. So as we do this, the first one uh, that we're gonna talk about is the spirit. I bet you love my artwork. I really <laughs> went above and beyond. Thank you to the Windows pen for doing this. <laughs> uh, so 
we are talking about the renewal plan for the spirit. Uh, my wife is the artist you can see above me. <laughs> so whenever we think of these things, the, the two key words that I want you to think about are rhythms and practices. So rhythms are how often you do something and a practice is what you do when you do it. And so um, in our spiritual life, we have lots of rhythms and practices. So one of them would be every Sunday, that's the rhythm, I go to corporate worship at church, right? Now that's the old rhythm. Now it's I go to corporate worship on my TV or on my screen. So that's what I mean, these have changed. But that's the rhythm and that's the practice. And so to renew our spiritual lives, we have to think of what our rhythms and practices are. So, so a good question for a rhythm is, when will you renew your spirit each day? Um, and it might be multiple times during the day where you need to stop and have spiritual renewal. Um, but to think through what is the rhythm of that? And when we think about our spiritual lives, there's tons of practices that we, we know. There's prayer and fasting and uh, silence and solitude and reading and scripture and Sabbath. All these things are ways that we can renew our spiritual life. And there's more. Those are just some of those things. So a good uh, thing to think about would be, what's my rhythm of spiritual life and vitality going to look like in this season? And when am I going to do it? So what am I going to do and when am I going to do it? So for me, uh, I started, I pulled out an old, uh, an old liturgical prayer book where it's uh, praying the hours. So they have like five or six different prayer times during the course of the day. And I've just found that there's kind of a gap for every time. And for being home and having lots of gaps in my schedule, I've just kind of added that to a practice I'm trying to do. So I'm not being super religious about it. I'm not saying I have to do all six of the liturgies every single day. Um, but I am looking at those gaps in my day and thinking, hmm, uh, instead of pulling my phone out, maybe I could just pull the prayer book out and do a little five-minute uh, prayer time. And, and it's a mix of scripture and historic prayers and Lord's Prayer and some of that kind of stuff. Not everybody likes liturgy. Not everybody likes that kind of thing. But for me, it's been a part of my journey that I, I appreciate that kind of stuff. So um so that's, that's one way, uh, a rhythm that I've started in these last days, and the practice is just pulling out a prayer book when I have a gap in my day. So really simple, really easy. Um, a, a rhythm like our practice like fasting could be a really good one to start during this time uh, because you're at home, so you just eat all the time. <laughs> so uh, this might be a good, a good time to say, I skip a meal. <laughs> that goes into your physical health as well, but no. Um, so, so that's the idea, is, is for each one of these areas, you start to develop some rhythm and practice for how I'm going to think of my spiritual life. Um, next one is for your body. This is the one I've actually been working on the most. Um, so when will you renew your body each day? What's it going to look like for your physical well-being uh, in these times. So simple practices, exercise, rest, diet. Um, there's probably no reason why we can't sleep eight hours a night right now. Like we actually could make that a, a, a choice and a practice to do. Um, unless you just like physically can't do it. Like <laughs> unless you're just not used to that, but you could. 
um, diet, you know, like we're stuck here. We might as well eat a little better than normal. Um, so for me, the, the practice I've been starting is I've, we have a little 1.3 mile loop around a few ponds around our house. And, and so I was like, there's no reason I can't run or walk this every day. Um, and so I've been doing that. So I'm not a good runner. I'm horrible. I'm super slow. I'm super awkward. But six of the last eight days I've gotten up and that was the first thing I've done. And I feel so much better because of that rhythm and practice. It's just been great. Now today, my daughter wanted to go with me. And so that was a whole different experience. <laughs> we got about a third of the mile, third of a mile in and she was done. So I did a half a mile jogging and the rest of it we walked together. And that was, that was a nice way to start our day. Uh, this morning was going for a walk together. But uh, it's a rhythm and it's a practice. And the idea of these is when you start a rhythm and a practice during a sabbatical is then you can maybe set yourself up to continue on and continue on. And so if this all were to get lifted and life were to go back to normal on Monday, right now, I don't think I would keep this up. But if I, if I had another two or three weeks of it, I might be able to keep it up. Does that make sense? And so we have this time to set up a new habit um mind what are you going to do to renew your mind this one the examples of the practices are less what are you going to do and maybe more what you shouldn't do <laughs> so reading is a good thing to renew your mind um, media consumption right now is probably not a good thing to renew your mind that will probably send you spiraling social media probably not a great uh use of your time now it's not saying don't do social media. It's not like fast from this, don't ever do it. It's more, um, what's the plan? What's the plan gonna be for your social media consumption? Are you gonna, um, are you gonna <clears throat> look at it periodically through the day? Are you going to keep your phone somewhere? Um, I will tell you this, I have not done this one for this sabbatical time yet. Uh, I've been on social media probably way more than I would like. So this isn't an area I've been addressing right now. Right now it's been kind of the spiritual and the body have been the main ones for me. Um, as people, we can only change so much. We can, only change, we can only handle so much change. And so the question we have to always wrestle with is, what should I change now? And some of that is you have to listen to the Lord, like, God, what should I change now? What, what is the thing that you want me to, to do? So... Uh, relationships. How will you and when will you renew your relationships each day? Date night, family walks, game nights, friendship connections. I've been on some ridiculous Zoom friend game nights these days. Uh, Lord have mercy. I didn't even know what was going on half the time, but people were laughing uproariously and it was good for our souls. So how are you going to foster relationships during this time? And I think that's why the social media consumption piece is hard to figure out during this type of sabbatical, because that's the main way that we can connect with people is through video calls or through social media. And so there's this balancing act that I think we're all playing in. Uh, like, I don't want to be on social media so much because it part of that just like wears at me, but I don't have any other way to connect with people. 
And so, so maybe trying to be more intentional about the social media stuff and what it looks like. Um, you know, for us, the family walks and things like that are still really important for us to do. Uh, and then the last one is mission. And this is the one I didn't have when I was on sabbatical, but I think it's important for all of us to think about what, what does God want from us during this time? Um, this isn't just a sabbatical. This is an opportunity. So, so when will you reach out beyond yourself to embrace God's mission for you each day? So I've got six discernment questions that I've been using uh, both with a crown class and with some other folks uh, to, to help you think through your, the mission God has for you. So before we jump to those mission questions, that's kind of the five areas. And maybe I could just take a, a quick straw poll from you all. If you were to say one area off the top of your head, like is there one area that stuck out to you like this is what God might be asking me to create a different rhythm for uh, during this season. Is there one right off the top of your head? Well, I know for me, the rhythm that has gotten most disrupted is body. Mm -hmm. I actually had a really good rhythm before all of this, and now it's just completely gone to pot. And, and I'm struggling with trying to retrieve that old rhythm or create a new one. Um, and I've not been in three weeks or so, I haven't been successful at that. Yeah. I think that's the hard part, right? Is when something was going well, like, like this is really good news for people who things aren't going well for like, Oh, I can restart. But for people who things were going well for, this is all kind of bad news and really disrupting. And yeah, that's, yeah. Gary or Jean, what about you guys? Well, I think for me, it's mission. <laughs> Our mission has been kind of put on hold, and especially just because we're pre-transplant, pre-church plant, um, we're trying to think of innovative ways. I mean, the daily mission is fairly easy for me to figure out, but I like to go a little bit further. Yeah. So. Yeah. Gary, what about you? Well, I'd like to say body, but it wasn't good before. So I guess <laughs> I can say that one. You can say that one. It's a reset. I wasn't running before two weeks ago. So. <laughs> but I am still, the snow is still melting here. So once the snow melts, maybe. Actually, I did make a big step. I, I bought a, a new padded seat for my bicycle because I gave mine to my granddaughter last fall. So when the ice is gone, then we'll be biking together. So we are looking into that. I think the mission is, is good too because like Jean said, we're doing the church plant thing and I work 32 hours a week as chaplain at the hospital. So we're able to use the church plant as a tool to reach out to my coworkers there. Um, We've been doing some gift cards, that kind of stuff, bringing meals in for the acute care nurses and that kind of stuff. So that's hopefully, you know, like I said, the original, yeah, we call it, it served the city, but initially, initially we thought we would be reaching out like the homes and that kind of stuff. And then they would be coming part of the church. But now we're just reaching out and waiting, I guess, to see what the long-term effects are. So trying to keep the mission going as best we can, but like, you know, not like, obviously we'll be doing otherwise, so. Sure. 
Casey, what about you? Any of those stick out to you? Uh, I feel like I've been thinking a lot about all of these things. <laughs> What's the greenhouse process? Uh, yeah, yes. I was going to say that's probably why, because this is part of my job. <laughs> um, but I mean, I definitely have been more physically active um, since this whole process started. And I feel like um, just reassessing relational time and how that's spent um, and kind of mission as well, just with um, the discipleship piece of my program, just trying to figure out what, like, my one disciple she had to move like because of everything and now we're very far away from each other so just figuring out what that looks like and i don't know it's a lot of upheaval so sure yeah that's great well so the mission piece developed some questions around this for this season um it's really inventive who what where when why how you know like really <laughs> I thought I thought of these question words and I filled in the back. No. Uh, but I think it's um I think it's really important that as we're thinking of our rhythms, we think about other people around us. And and we don't have great answers for these yet either, but I think maybe these questions will stir up some ideas on for our personal lives, uh, what we do. So uh, the first one is who do you have in your heart? Who do you have in your heart? Who's on your heart? Um, it might be surprising. It might not be who you think it is, right? So sometimes God puts someone on your heart that you didn't think would be there or maybe had a place there. What do you have in your hands? What do you have available to you? We all have different things available to us. We all have different uh, things in our hands. So what do you have in your hands? Not everyone can do the same things. Uh, if someone is at risk, highly at risk uh, for COVID, they have something different in their hands than someone who's already recovered from COVID and has a bunch of antibodies and can do some different things, right? So uh, we all have different skills. We have different abilities. We even have different things around us. So what do you have in your hands? Take an inventory uh, some people have, I've noticed this as I've talked to people, there's, there's some people that have tons of time, right? They've gotten let go from their work and they're stuck at home. And so all they have is time. And then there's other people that are busier than they've ever been because not only are they working from home, they're also running their kids' school. And so, so there's these two extremes where maybe what you have in your hand is almost no time. Uh, but maybe what you have in your hand is lots of time. You see the difference? You got to really contextualize these questions. Where do you find yourself located? Uh, are you around people that you, you could do some uh, help? Are you not around people? Are you, um, you know, we've talked with pastors in South Dakota, other places where they don't have to stay at home, where here in Minnesota you're supposed to. So where you find yourself located affects what kind of your neighborhood you're in. Are you an apartment building or what are you in? Uh, all affects how you're going to interact with people. So when do you have the occasion and opportunity to minister to people? You know, a week and a half ago, I went to a gas station and the receipt didn't print and it was for my district car. So I had to get a receipt. So I went into the gas station and there was two ladies who were working and I just looked at them and I just said, 
thank you so much for working today. I wouldn't be able to go pick up my kids if you weren't still here. And the lady almost got tears in her eyes. Like nobody had like recognized her work as like valuable or a sacrifice. And I didn't say Jesus's name. I didn't do anything, but I tried to be Jesus to them. It was an occasion and an opportunity to minister to people in that one moment that I was at a gas station. And, and some of you might still be at work. And so do you have an occasion and opportunity to minister to people? Um, we have uh, ladies that live next door to us in an ACR Homes house. And so we've been trying to think of, and so it's kind of development, developmentally uh, disabled adults. And so these older ladies live there and now they can't get out. They usually go to a job, but they can't do that. They're just stuck at home and stir crazy. And so we're trying to think like, what's the occasion and opportunity we could have to minister to them? So we bought some flowers, the kids are making some cards. I don't know, is that a good idea? We'll see, <laughs> you know, we're gonna try it because we have an occasion and opportunity, but um, you might have someone else. So uh, this is the bigger question. Why do you think God has you where you are in the season? All these questions of where you're at and what you're doing, well, what might God be up to? now? It puts you a little bit in the position of God, which is dangerous, right? Uh, we don't want to, God might be up to something that we can't see. And so, um, but sometimes just ask that question, God, why, why, do I, why do you have me here where I'm at? Why am I in rugby, North Dakota as a chaplain during this time? Uh, why did COVID strike now? Why am I pastoring a church at this time? Why am I a greenhouse resident at this time? Why am I a teacher at this time? Um, why does God have me where he has me at this season? Why am I living next to these people right now during this? Uh, sometimes give us some fresh perspective. And then the last one is, how are you going to listen to God's invitation for you in this season? Uh, this is a funny time where there's so much need, so much unemployment, so many things. You can't do everything. So you have to do what God invites you to do. And so somehow you have to hear God's voice. Because you want to do, if, at least I want to do what God wants me to do. I don't want to just do what I want to do. And so for discovering our mission, we kind of got to listen to God and say, God, what exactly do you want me to do? Um, and then we follow that. Does that make sense? So I think if you, if you worked through these six kind of questions, you would have a pretty good idea of maybe what God's asking you to do during this time. And for some people, it is be very present to your family and care for your kids because you'll never get this much time with them again. Mm. Like that might be it. For some people, it's, I got a ton of time. I got a little bit of disposal and income. What could I do to minister? What I could make some homeless packs and hand them out to people. Um, while we had, we did that over Christmas. We made some packs of just some essential stuff to give to the home, some homeless people when we drove by, especially when we came to church, there's always a guy sitting there. And we always felt like we should give him something. But for months, we like kept forgetting them and, and they were always in the wrong car, these, these homeless packs. We like, every time we'd be like, oh, where's the homeless pack? They're in the other car, like for like ever since Christmas. And then we like got to this time and we looked in there, we're like, there's like, there's like Clorox wipes in these things. There's hand sanitizers. These things are full of gold. Like, <laughs> and so Molly went and gave one. Uh, she was driving and she gave one to a guy and he looked at her and she thought he was going to laugh at her or get mad. And she, he was like, 
you're giving me a care package? And she's like, yeah, 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 sorry. It's, you know, whatever. And he's just like, looked at her, he goes, I love you. Like just tears in his eyes. It's, that wasn't rocket science. It was our own, maybe God wanted us to not have <laughs> hand those out before so it could look like a really good gift now. But, um, you know, these are little things that we can do that could really, at this time, change someone's um, perspective in someone's life. And so these are some ways maybe to think about fostering your mission during this time. Does anybody have any questions on those? Do you think that'll, that'll be a helpful exercise for you maybe to think through? So like the areas, do you find yourself kind of gravitated or drawn toward one of these? Or is it more of a balance? Let's kind of think about all of them and see what comes out. Yeah, so with these, with um, we're doing this with a group of Crown students who are starting what were called micro churches, small church communities. And they all had these specific missions they were doing and then COVID hit and they just couldn't do it anymore. Like they weren't even on campus anymore. Now everything, they're separated. And so the idea was just maybe one of these would spark what you need to know but some people some people just maybe is like are so lost like they have to do an inventory so i would look at this as like a self-inventory kind of thing like what do you who do you have in your heart like if you just don't know maybe you need to stop and write those people down um one that we had was our daughter's best friend that she made in kindergarten and rides the bus with we found out both of her parents lost their jobs and they were planning on moving and they're um, have a little baby at home and and we don't know you know I haven't we haven't taken any other step than that other than I had to recognize when I worked through these like I, I have those fam that family in my heart because they're in my daughter's heart and they've done play dates together and man they're experiencing this way rougher than I am and as I worked my way down I don't really have an occasion or opportunity to minister to them I don't really have I don't know that that's why God has me where I was in this season. And so I've kind of just kind of held them as like, well, they were an answer to the first one, but I don't really know, you know, my neighbors are maybe more realistic to who I can minister to. Does that make sense? So it's, it's a way to kind of help you work through some of the emotions around wanting to help people. And especially for people who love Jesus and Jesus loves to help people. We kind of want to help everybody. I want to help everybody. Uh, and I don't have that ability right now. Really, our, our context more than ever limits who we can help and how. And so I think that's the idea of this inventory is maybe to help you sort through some of that. Like, I can't help everybody. But in these really interesting ways, you know, there's an older lady from our old church. She's in her 90s. She's in a assisted living and we just were like, we're going to call her during this season. We're just going to keep calling her. She's a retired CMA missionary. And now she's to the point where she called me the other day because she just wanted to talk to June and Elm. She didn't want to talk to me at all. <laughs> so she's kind of got it into her routine now that, uh, and our kids just say yes or no on the phone. They don't, they don't really talk. <laughs> but uh, those just, you know, to get outside of ourselves and our routine, to think about why who we could actually minister to during this. So I don't know if that kind of roundabout way answers that idea, Greg, because you could have someone in your heart that you have zero capacity to actually 
impact or very little, you know? Yeah. All right. So the last piece of this whole thing, <laughs> uh, and I know this is like information dump. So uh, it's looking at this and being like, what does God actually want me to do? What rhythms and practices should I, should I really go after here? Because to start a new rhythm and a practice in a sabbatical is so hard. So when I did a sabbatical, uh, it was three months. And it was probably four weeks before I even like felt like I had my legs under me. It was just like unwinding my soul, you know, like I was trying to read and we had it set up that I would go by myself every morning and Molly would have time by herself every afternoon. And we had, Elm was one and June was three and well, two, two or three. They were little. So sabbatical was different for us. You know, it wasn't just wasn't sitting on a beach somewhere um and i'd go on those mornings and i would pray prayers and i just like not feel anything for like a month just nothing 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 but it was like i'm gonna do this routine i'm gonna do this rhythm i'm gonna just keep at it and it's not gonna be a ton of stuff i didn't work on my running i didn't work on my health i didn't really work on my mind I kind of pulled away from all, all the relationships except for my wife and kids. Uh, I worked just on the spiritual element. And I know they're all interconnected, but it was an intentional time. And it took all my effort to just work in one area. But as that area started to kind of recover and redevelop, all of those other things really came into play better. Like I understood more who I was called to be in mission. And I was able to be a better friend and a better husband. And and then my mind was kind of alive because of this. And, and then I wanted to like get healthier. And you know, they all, they all end up working together, but it's really good to maybe just start with one thing and be super intentional about it. Uh, and then you can kind of stack things on top of each other as they affect each other. So it's funny, like for me, as I'm you know, doing this little bit of, and we talked about this in our staff meeting, I, we were asking like, Okay, we're all working from home now. What are we learning? And I said, one thing I'm learning is if I get up in the morning and I exercise first thing, I'm way more productive. Even if it eats an hour out of my work day, I end up working, getting way more done. And that's a really interesting thing, how the body is connected to the mind and the spirit. And all of, you know, like it actually sparks something. So, so I think it's really important to think of one of these areas and say, I'm going to be super super, super intentional about it. And I'm absolutely going to fail. <laughs> and then I'm going to be super intentional about it the next day and the next day, and then I'm going to fail again. Um, so, so here's the three action steps. What's the area I'm going to focus on? What is it? I'm just going to pick one that I feel God's calling me to do. And I'm not going to pick all of them. I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to do it with my whole heart because I think God wants to continue to transform me. And all of this is just based on the fact that Jesus is always transforming us. This is his work in us. And when we step towards him, he works in us. So this isn't just like self-help. This is how Jesus wired us and, and who he's calling us to be. But somehow our discipleship sometimes takes a level of intentionality of us taking a step towards. So what's the area? When will I create my concrete plan for this, this area? Uh, 
there's some very intentional words here. Uh, not what's my plan going to be right now. You need to think about this. You need to pray about this. You need to listen to God on this. Like, uh, so the way I came up with this whole running thing was I just turned 39 about a week and a half ago. And I was like, who do I want to be when I'm 40? <laughs> like, how do I want to start that decade? And the one area that I want to be healthier in is my physical health. I feel relatively healthy in those other areas. But that's, so I needed to make a plan. And so I took some time last week and said, what's this going to look like? And kind of have a plan for what it's going to look. It, it's nothing rocket science. The plan ended up being, I'm going to try to walk this loop every day. And some days I will try to jog it as well. You know, and days I don't jog it, I will walk it. And then I'm trying to do push-ups. My goal is that I can do 100 push-ups by the time I turn 40. I did two months ago, I could do zero. Today, I did 22. So we are trending in the right direction, right? <laughs> Greg at a conference in Florida saw me do maybe 15 <laughs> about a month sure. ago. So uh, we added seven. So I did 25 days last week. And then today, we, yesterday, we bumped up to 22. Super specific. It is a concrete plan. I made a spreadsheet. Okay. By the end of this year, I will know exactly how many miles I jogged and how many push-ups I did. I will know that number. I could pull it up right now. I didn't update it today, but... <laughs> And you'll see that this weekend, I did not do great. You'll see that there was a grace needed on Saturday and Sunday. But that's fine. It needs to be a concrete plan. And I need to set aside time to pray about it and think about it, both in terms of rhythms and practices. There's no reason I can't get up early and do a walk or a jog in the morning right now. And actually, in my regular life, there's no reason I can't do that either. It's just a matter of self-discipline right? Same thing for your spiritual life. There's no reason we can't pray every day, especially right now, but we need to set up a concrete plan. And so we, so I want you to think about right now, when are you going to set up your plan? <laughs> like, when are you going to do it? Are you going to do it in 10 minutes when we're done here? Are you going to, you know, like get it in your head. This is when I'm going to make my plan. Um, and, and I'm going to prayerfully make that plan. I'm going to listen to what God wants for me. Because there's a lot of good things you could do that aren't what God wants you to do. So that's, that's the prayer and invitation part. The last one is, who am I going to talk to about my plan to keep me accountable? I feel an added pressure right now that I just told you all my plan. And uh, I'm an Enneagram 3. I don't know if that means anything to you. But the fact that I just told you my plan means that I will have way more uh, ability to do it because I want to perform well. <laughs> so I want the next time I see you for you to be like, how's that plan going? Just the fact that you could ask me that will at least keep me going another two or three days. Like that's the reality of the Enneagram 3's life. So um, but who am I going to talk to to keep me accountable? Uh, it's just good to, to carry each other's burdens to say, this is what my rhythm and practice is going to look like. And and this is what I feel like God's asking me to do during this season, especially as I'm setting up some new things. And, and this is what I'm going to try uh, and ask me about it. Give somebody permission to just ask you the question. Um, they're not in charge of you. They can't do it for you. But somehow just having someone who's going to ask you about it and care about you enough to do it is really helpful. So 
So those I think are three action steps to kind of take away from how to set these kind of rhythms and practices up. So that's all I had. Would love some, if you have any questions or any comments you'd love to make, I would love to spend a couple minutes with that. Kyle, I ran a marathon when I was 40, just for fun. Gary, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to help you out. <laughs> I should I mean, add, I didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, and, and why did you do that? Because a lady that washed at our laundromat, when she turned 40, she ran. I'm like, that's a good idea. I was like 35. I'm like, I could do it when I'm 40. And I did. Yeah. That was good. And I bet you made a plan and you made a goal. That's Would you right. say that? Okay. This is, this is case study now. Sorry, Gary. I'm putting <laughs> you on the spot. You're trying to put me on the spot. But did that affect any of these other areas of your life when you were training to do that? Yeah, because the discipline goes across the board that once you establish that one thing, it, it spreads to other areas. Yeah. So you, so you could see like by folk, and you probably had to focus pretty hard on the running part to right. train for a marathon. It affected how you spiritually, relationally, all those kind of things. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the idea here is that as we, as we affect one area, we can go, um, Greg, what's the name of the book I gave you? Uh, your future self will thank you. Yeah, so it's a book on self-control that sometimes goes into this. We um, read that. Yeah, I gave you guys that too. Casey, you're the only one I haven't given that book to. So, <laughs> so well worth it. Yeah, and there's a, good. there's a podcast that goes with it if you'd rather just listen to the ide main ideas of it. So your future self will thank you is a good one. Um, the other book I want to just maybe mention that might be really good for this season, it's what I'm reading right now, is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, it's a Dallas Willard quote. It's by a guy named John Mark Comer. He's a, a pastor in Portland, which is super hip and trendy and cool. Um, and it's all about him kind of hitting the wall and having to eliminate hurry from his life. But he does the second chapter of the book is just unbelievable where he talks about how people lived a hundred years ago versus today uh be pre kind of some of the electricity and different things and and the average hours people slept then versus now technology's effects on us uh it's crazy it's it's super interesting it'll be way less convicting to you now than it would have been a month ago when you were super, super hurried. So, so now might be a time to receive some of that information. So those are a couple good reads along these topics. There's a bunch more about spiritual disciplines and emotionally healthy EHS type stuff is uh, by Schizero is, is really good uh, too. So yeah, any other questions, comments? I have a funny story. Got time for that? Got time. <laughs> so I work in a nursing home and a hospital, and we have like 55 residents in, in long-term care that are watching CNN hour after hour, and they're just so scared of the COVID thing. And so I had a new guy move in on Friday, and he's 92 years old, and I was sitting with him. His family can't be there for the transition because everybody's banned from the facility. 
So I found out one of the advantages of being an elderly chaplain because I was sitting there talking to him and trying to console him and comfort him. He looked at me and he said, so are you moving in here too? <laughs> Not yet, but keep me, keep me in a room here. <laughs> Gene, uh, you've been stuck for about two weeks inside with Gary. Were you ready for him to get a room there or? <laughs> You know, the, the first two days were tough. You know, it's like, you're in my space. You can have space from five at night till you go to work the next morning. But it was, but after two days, it was, it was actually a blessing. Oh, that's great. So it only took us two days. I was pretty proud of us. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, I hope this stuff is helpful for you all to think about and uh, make a plan. Uh, Casey, who am I going to talk about the plan to keep you accountable? We have a Zoom call at 9.30 tomorrow, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> what about take your time on getting this plan put together? <laughs> we got uh, 13 out there. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, Greg, anything else you wanted to say, do before we close it out? No. So thank you, Kyle. Um, can you make this, do you have this available as either this PowerPoint or, or a worksheet, yeah. just a handout uh, or something? Yep. I can email you the PowerPoint. Cool. And maybe all of this, maybe you'll get posted up on your stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll probably upload this up, up into Vimeo so we can disperse the link easily. Cool. Yeah, and I'll just send you the PowerPoint when we're done here and perfect. And look at that. And um, yeah, thank you guys for joining. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for inviting. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. God bless you. And bless you too. Yeah. And, and we will all get through this together. Amen. 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 <laughs>